Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I am your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by uh, Kata Ludwig from Balba. Kata, good morning. How are you? Hi, Alex. I'm great. How are you? Good. You'll have to join me in the ruse of the morning. Um, we're in the early afternoon here in the UK. But uh, um, well, look, thank you very much for being a guest. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, it's always good to talk to people that sort of that this is the earlier start of, of, of like one journey and, and but certainly not, not your first journey into entrepreneurship. So look, love to kind of um, dive into it. But before I do, it'd be really great if you could introduce Balba, what it is and what it, what you guys do. Yeah, sure. So thanks. I'm glad to be here. Uh, at Boba, we're creating, so basically, um, we're combining location intelligence with technologies to create a data-driven marketplace um, for geo-triggered and geodata-driven products. We mostly focus on the embedded insurance industry, uh, and we're really looking to provide our customers with on-demand, real-time, uh, automated coverages. Mm-hmm. That was very succinct. I love that. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things I want to ask you is like, obviously, you're, this is you're not your first um, foray into entrepreneurship. Your previous business was a sort of travel led business. Um, talk to me a bit about that and your sort of journey into entrepreneurship, because, um, yeah, I, I, I'm always intrigued kind of like why people do do it in the first place why they do it again so yeah what was your previous business because there, there is a sort of crossover in terms of knowledge base isn't there yeah I had a few so basically I started started out working at fortune 500 companies usually in the b2b partnerships uh, branding marketing departments so that was like a really good insight for me on how successful brands are built I think that There are, of course, exceptions when startups are really built on deep technologies, but most of the startups really succeed, especially in the fintech and insurtech space, because they just have this customer-centric approach focusing on branding. So this was just a really great start for me to to understand how great brands are built. Uh, And then I've launched a few businesses. So my first business was essentially a family mobile banking application uh, for parents and children to transfer pocket money and financial education. So it was in the advent of the fintech boom, um, I think five years ago. It really had a great uptake, but what I felt back then is that banks and incumbents were uh, really resistant. So there was not really a way way for them to cooperate with startups. It was just still the beginning of the the startup transformation journey. And then uh, I ventured into a travel technology startup, which was um, based on EU 261 related claims. Basically, if someone's flight was delayed for more than three hours, they would get a compensation from the airline. Once I took the CEO position, three weeks after, flights dropped by 90%. So I was standing there as a new CEO, uh, just looking at the industry, which basically disappeared from uh, around the company. And we really had to start thinking, like, what are we going to do? So we had a lot of brainstorming sessions, just really thinking about innovation, seeing the customer pain points uh, that basically they were left stranded in their uh, end destinations. And they, there was just no good solution for them uh, to protect themselves during the new challenges of, uh, of COVID. And, and yeah, and also meanwhile, I was working at a location intelligence company, a startup, which was focusing on aggregating location-related data 
and just supporting businesses, governments, and individuals to make better choices uh, by knowing by knowing the data that's surrounding their neighborhoods, their businesses, uh, and so forth. So basically, these experiences that I've gained are actually now coming alive in Baoba. So here we're focusing on the travel sector. We are uh, um, we're using um, some of the location intelligence domain, and we're also you know, in the financial industry, if we can say so, like in the insurance industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me about the insurance coverages, because, um, you know, we're very insurance specific podcast. So um, is it things like flight cancellation? I, I know you said like, you know, uh, hyper localized kind of coverage. Um, just talk me through some of the examples of the types of cover that you offer, um, because there were some interesting ones. I know we talked before, but for the benefit of the, the, the listeners, uh, things like leaving your car and having it insured like for, for kind of a certain amount of time, I found that really interesting. So, yeah, please uh, indulge me on the kind of things we can look to get from Balba. Yeah, so we're an early stage company. So a lot of the planned products are in the vision phase right now. It's going to be an evolution on how we progress. But right now, what we're starting out with are parametric insurances. So basically like using blockchain technology and a lot of data to create these um, type of like automated insurances. Right now, our first products are uh, flightly uh, parametric insurance. It really has the benefit for the customer that Basically, by the play, by the time their plane lands, they already have the payout in their bank account. So it's it's the first notice of loss is on Baoba. It eliminates all the hassle that they would have with a traditional insurance. We're also focusing on a weather coverage, uh, basically meaning that average temperatures are below or above um, the what you would generally uh, expect at the time of the year in a certain location. They would get some sort of benefits like a museum entry ticket or um, they would just get a normal payout. And then we also have uh, a parametric ski lift insurance, uh, which, is, which is focusing on if the ski lifts are not operational uh, in a certain ski region, then, you, then they would get a payout. Besides this, we also believe that cybersecurity uh, is very, very important. So we have a few uh, products lined up for this year that will cover cyber, uh, cyber challenges, specifically um, during the, uh, the, the, the during the period of your trip. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really sort of all-encompassing. And I, and I like, um, it, it really ties into your experience as well, this sort of, sort of centralized information, um, use of data. Um, so I wanted to talk, like, like the focus of the business is on the centralization of information and customer sentiment uh, segmentation. Um, We've seen this in other fields. Like we see this in digital banking. We talk about digital banking all the time on this podcast. Um, but I wanted to know, like, you know, why do you think we still haven't seen this yet, or certainly to any kind of real depth in insurance? Um, and I know you're not an insurance specialist as such, but someone that's coming from the outside looking at space, why, why have you seen the kind of, it's a little bit behind the curve on this? Yeah, so I think that insurance is a commodity product and is just in the traditional sense has been divided by product lines like life, non-life, PNC. And it's also the regulatory environment uh, that influences this. So it's really just the whole industry is structured around this. And this doesn't leave a lot of space for, for personalization and just really focusing on the customer as we would see, for example, uh, in the digital banking space, as you mentioned, or in the telecommunications industry. So it's not very well connected to either a person, the uh, specific data, uh, such as their behavior, 
uh, and also to, to third-party data such as location-related uh, intelligence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 regulation's been a sort of, uh, it was, I, I can't remember who it was, I think it was uh, a guy called Jeff Keister was on here that was, was saying that the regulation, um, I might be getting that wrong, I think it might be Rob, Rob Galbraith actually, but someone recently came on and talking about the regulations that kind of need to be the people that are pushing this to happen. Um, but certainly, like, we kind of tend to think line of business specific rather than customer specific. Um, and I wanted to kind of probably build on from that, actually, because um, one of the things that struck me about your the proposition that you're putting together is the kind of level of engagement with the consumer. Um, the idea of being it's quite high, but insurance typically has very low engagement from the consumer. So... Why do you think that is? Like, do you think it's do you think it's just that lack of personalization? Uh, do you think it's because people think it's boring? You know, is it is it is it insurance need a need to rebrand? Um, yeah, where specifically do you think that comes from? So I think that personalization is is one factor that's super important. But I also believe that insurance products are just not positioned well in general. Mm-hmm. So the communication is very much focused on the psychology of fear. And, you know, even when the worst happens and there is a critical event, uh, the product doesn't really give resolution in a lot of um, a lot of times. So they actually make the pain worse by uh, having super complicated processes, long payout times. So what I do here at Baoba is just really taking a look from a customer purchase journey point of view. So I have a question. Can you can you recall any insurance ads that you have seen recently, like banners, billboards? And if yes, what stood out to you in that ad? That's a really good question. Uh, it's funny because I could tell you who it is because I always, Hiscox are always advertising at every train station. So I always see Hiscox adverts. Um, and what was the message? <laughs> do you know what? I can tell you. I can tell you. It's always very small business focused because they're, they're sort of dominate the small business space in the UK. Uh, but, but bear in mind, I'm a small business owner. <laughs> And I don't have my insurance for Hiscox. I couldn't tell you what it is. So uh, does that tell you something about that? Because um, other than its positioning in, in that it's the only person that seems to advertise in, in those areas, they sort of, they're very specifically targeting those kind of um, train stations and like business hubs. Um, I couldn't tell you what was on it at all. Yeah, so that's that's the problem, that it, the problem starts at the awareness stage where so the marketing campaigns are just not really targeted towards the customer. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the, in the age of social media and where everyone is trying to create engaging content and connect with the customer on a more personal level, uh, specifically the, the marketing ads are just really um, not very sexy to the end customer. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I have an example here. Uh, there is a medical provider recommendation mobile app. They have a, a very good design, mm-hmm. exponential growth, sticky customers, and they've actually partnered, partnered up with a traditional health insurer uh, for warm lead generation. And the insurer insisted on displaying their own banner in the mobile app with a very outdated design and wording. And the conversion rates were really low. So the app itself is, is like awesome. And then when a traditional partner comes in, they just can't make use of it because they're, they're still focused on the old messages that, you know, it, it's already like a, um, no one recognizes those banners anymore and no one pays attention because it's very, very outdated um, messaging and copies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I read some research saying that um, people's brains basically train to ignore 
the section of the of this where the banner would be like people people's brains just do not see it because because they know it's an advert which is fascinating um but yeah i <laughs> i should probably shouldn't name and shame a massive insurance company but i i, I went the other way and that i've i've recently got my health insurance and it was um with vitality and it was um you know great promise they've sort of gamified a little bit the kind of um it's not just look if you go to the gym it gets cheaper because i think you know that was the offer before from a lot of people if you go to the gym your insurance goes down because you're healthier but what we started um <laughs> i'm i'm laughing guys because as we're speaking uh, i've just been spent sent a late late space you can get a guardian banner ad and they've just someone's just trying to pitch it to me on an, e on an email there it is um how funny i won't be buying that no but back to vitality so they gamified it um nobody cared if the price went down but we do care about things like um if i go to the gym a certain amount of time they pay for my amazon prime um all of that stuff's great so they're kind of listening to the customer from that point of view then i had a claim to make the other day and i had to go on the app probably the worst app experience of my life like probably in this day and age it basically went through and it wasn't really an app it was a skin and then it sent me to a sort of a, a, a website and then actually i ended up having to send them an email to clay but um and i just thought i don't know how this still happens and i don't know how this still exists so I, I, that's why every time i kind of think oh the big companies will come in and you know let's be honest like if they really heavily invest i know this sort of change the direction of an oil tanker we talk about it all the time change the big company but just as simple as going if you make your app customer first that will win you customers and keep them um the fact that that's not happening and i'm seeing it not happen with my very eyes i find quite shocking um so i wanted to jump a question actually because one question i had written down to ask you is like how do you create we, we talk about thinking customer first, but how do you create a culture of, of customer first in a business? Um, and I, what am I talking about? It's like practical steps. What, what does that mean for you? How do you practically implement that rather than, it's a great thing to say. It's a, it's, it's a hard thing to kind of execute. So, well, it starts with my team. Um, we have a very diverse team. Only one person on my team actually comes from the insurance industry mm -hmm. and everyone else um, basically has an experience with dealing with, with clients, most in the travel insurance space for now. They have actually worked for global distribution systems such as Amadeus on the customer, uh, customer support team. And they've seen, they've interacted with those customers and seen what the actual pain points are. Mm -hmm. So we're also very much focused on, um, on being design first and by design, I don't necessarily mean the, the colors or the branding, by just really thinking through like how would the uh, how would the customer approach our product? So what really do I think most startups do is just starting out with the wireframing. So we're not thinking about the pricing or the regulatory environment. We're really taking a look from it from like a, with a fresh eye coming from uh, with different experiences in like fintechs and and just really branding department. Uh, I think that our culture, our team culture, is very much focused on uh, on how we can actually provide benefit. We started out with creating sales presentations and not with creating the product uh, in the first two weeks of when establishing our business and just really focused on how are we going to answer the pain points that we've seen in the industry. So I think that this is the, the team part. And then of course, the product also needs to have those type of features um, that re revolve around the customer. A few examples uh, for this would be like the real-time pay ads because we have seen that, that this is a, a huge pain point for them, just getting to their uh, money. 
with a travel insurance, it would take anywhere between 10 to 20 days. And, you know, they would have to submit a lot of papers. So that's also one thing that uh, we're taking on the first notice of loss. We're automatically triggering uh, the payout and the communications towards the, the end customers. And what we're focusing on is just creating a playground for the customers. So we also have a dashboard where we have a lot of educational materials. We have a section on cybersecurity, like you can make a self-assessment um, and just check how cyber healthy you are. We have a lot of games. So we create exciting content that they actually engage with the product and come back and not only meet our brand once something has happened and, and just create this very bad experience for them. Mm-hmm. So, so that would be also one of the things. Um, and what we focus on in particular is that we don't believe that one size fits all. So we're kind of looking for these type of niche products uh, that can serve like very specific customer needs and just creating this type of like modular coverages that, so those can help to personalize the products a lot. Mm. Yeah, because I think one thing that we sort of get away from in insurance, is like I, I, I don't want multiple insurers, really. I mean, I, I, you know, I sort of want to be able to plug it all into to, to all the things that I need. Um, I was reminded that, you know, I've got my car insurance just come up and, you know, realistically, it's kind of all a bit of a mess. Uh, you know, it's like it, it, it definitely kind of even just the kind of streamlining of that, um, but but the sort of practical um admin the life admin required to kind of run your insurances is 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 frustrating um that you mentioned this we we actually not only focus on the on the coverages but we have a product lined up that's called the life coach so what it does is basically uh focuses on critical event prevention and monitors your life so we collect like a lot of data and if we see that something's really not okay so like you park your car in an unsafe neighborhood where we know that you have a high chance that it's going to be stolen. Then we send you a notification, like you should repark or just in general, like health related advice. So we really focus on the customer at its core and, and how we can make their lives better instead of just taking their money and, and, you know, just doing the traditional insurances. Mm. Yeah. That's, I think that's a big theme of, of shift of kind of leadership that we've seen in that, um, there's there's so much there's so much knowledge that that the insurance industry has and i think previously it's just not been shared um you know i engage with all sorts of brands and i think on a really personal level you think about the engagement we now have with fashion and i know fashion's got a bit of more life to it but i think some banks have managed to do it some telecoms providers and internet providers have managed to do it it's just like creating a an actual relationship with that customer um because the long-term view is taken that and this is what banks do you know um and this definitely was jeff (laughs) um but um you know we he talked about trying to banks try and secure students at university because they know that over time they will have that person for a very very long time and i'm stunned how insurance still kind of thinks kind of year to year at the like tends to be on a personal level whereas you know as i've said I don't want to change insurance company every year. I've, I've no interest in it. I'd, I'd rather it was, you know, priced efficiently, effectively, transparently. Um, and also I got a little bit more from it, you know, um, like I've got a really old classic car, but, and I insure it with a, a, a sort of specialist provider. I don't get any insight about looking after my car or like specialist providers in my area. And I, I just think like that all of those things are things that I would, I would I would use and utilize um and I just think there's a sort of creativity gap um I know you mentioned sorry no please no sorry 
So I just also think that it's a vicious cycle because specifically for the travel insurances, like the millennials, uh, such as me, we would go usually to an insurance aggregator price comparison tool. So that already puts the incumbents in a, in a really bad position because they need to compete on a price level. And of course, if that's the only factor, you're not going to be motivated to create better products. You won't have the budget for marketing and personalization. So I think that this wishes cycle needs to stop. And, uh, and I think that startups can really help insurance companies to be able to do this by introducing like a very new point of view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. I mean, uh, yeah, if you put into that, if that's the only place you're going to go and compete, you're going to be competing on price. It's, um, yeah, it's, a, uh, <laughs> it's the road to ruin, basically, as we've seen in a lot of the personal lives. Um, talk about team. You mentioned um, your, your, your team and, and you've got a diverse team. How did that team come together? Are you people that have worked with each other before? Um, how do you how do you find the right mix in a team? You know, what's worked for you in your experience putting that together? It's very hard to find talent uh, for these type of major techs. Yeah. Specifically because we're also focusing on, on the insurances, but also integrating location intelligence. So those are two like very, very difficult domains. Mm-hmm. And there is such a lack of talent who specifically have that um, mixture of skills and understanding. So we're kind of trying to create this diverse environment and just really then onboard everyone. So we're doing like a lot of cross staff training, uh, a chief product officer who comes from the digital uh, insurance industry talks a lot with our uh, senior business development director for the travel space. And there is just a lot of information transfer uh, that helps to resolve these type of issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we found each other some of us have been working together in a previous startup. So we kind of knew each other and it, it, it isn't a garage startup. So basically we were building on the customer pain points and the trends that we've seen in the industry. And yeah, and then, then I just got really lucky because I posted a LinkedIn job and most of the time it's, it's very, very useless or expensive to find the right talent. But yeah. somehow we had, a, we had just the buzzwords and we managed to, to draw in, uh, to join like a very, very senior and, Already, he already has uh, a successful InsurTech exit behind him, and his eye just really caught this. This was a huge first validation for our concept that he he thought that this is where the industry is heading um, on what we're trying to create here. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a stroke of luck. So from an advert on LinkedIn, you, that's that's what you got. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, okay. I, 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 as someone that uses advertising on LinkedIn uh, fairly often, I can tell you that the uh, the hit rate is very, very, very low. Yeah. Uh, but good people are proactively out there. And I think that's the interesting thing. I mean, the challenge is always finding the person for the right stage of business you are as well. Because um, so talk to me about that. You're sort of pre-launch as such. Um, what, what is the stage of the funding? Um, yeah. Where, where are you in on that journey? So we are lucky enough that um, one of my co-founders, one of the first angels who joined the company really believed in this idea. So it gives a sense of security uh, that they are there. But of course, we don't want to burn uh, their money. So right now, when our fundraising processes, and we're, we're talking to, to like a very diverse range of potential investors, including angels, super angels, um, institutional VCs. And I think that what's really important for us at this stage is that we get smart money so that we really manage to connect with people who have the industry experience, who have the network and, and can support us in a, 
in a variety of ways besides the financial side of the mm. business. Mm. Well, that's that's a fascinating thing to pick up on because I think I really blindly because I my background was previously uh, big insurance companies, big insurance brokers, more traditional market. Um, VCs was something that I they were like these mythical creatures I'd never heard of, and and then the more I've got to know and work with them, um, work focusing on the insure tech market, uh, it's been interesting to sort of see how they differentiate. And and I suppose you blindly think, oh, you don't need to differentiate, but but as uh, you know, Adam Blumkast from Distributed Adventures came on and said, look, everyone can write big checks now, so it's not enough. So you know, it, you know, one of their USPs was distribution. We talked about talent. What do you look for in a in a, in a sort of uh, investment partner? What what's that sort of ideal USP that would be good for you? Well, most of the times VCs approach it in a way that they're they're the ones asking the question. But mm-hmm. I feel like money is very readily available. Uh, specifically right now in the in the tech space. So what we're really trying to do is we're listening. Like, are they asking the right questions? Um, are they focusing on on the right buzzwords? Are they hearing what we're seeing? If they ask a question, do they listen to our reply? What sort of network do they have? How interconnected are they uh, within the venture capital industry? Do they have co-investors who can bring on a different set of talent? Like right now, we're talking to them. Um, an insure tech focused VC, but we're also talking to a travel technology focused VC. So yeah. that can very much complement what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that, that, that sort of co-investment thing is hugely important. Um, geographically, where, where are you focusing to start with, with, with the business? Is there a specific region you're going to target? So just because of the nature of the industry, it's very global. So most online travel agencies, for example, sell in in a wide uh, list of countries. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're in general, we are starting out in the EU, but mm-hmm. we're already having our first steps in the North American market. So just uh, going back to the investment part, we're also looking for a cross-continental co-investment because that can accelerate our growth uh, within that market as well. Yeah. Yeah, smart, interesting. Um, we, we touched on it briefly with your team, that kind of um, magic sort of location intelligence uh, experience, in, insurance industry experience. Um, what, what's, what's the impact of this kind of enhanced location intelligence on the insurance industry? Um, and I suppose, do you think we're just starting to see the kind of application of that kind of knowledge set at, at this stage? Yes, I think that, how the industry looks like right now is that there are a lot of like geo data providers where who are actually targeting insurance companies but what i've seen and not just in particular in the insurance industry that these sort of like multinational companies have a lot of data but they don't know how to make use of it so even if it's available to them they don't know how to process it how to um to integrate them in a practical way so we have seen that there is a lack and it's, it's, it's an emerging trend. So mo- so back in the day, there were only static data sources available, such as demographics or historic weather trends, but now it's changing and we can make use of a lot of dynamic data, such as a mobile device location, a food traffic, live transit. So by having this sort of new spatial data at our disposal, we can kind of incorporate it into insurance products and really influence the risk calculation, exposure analysis, fraud management, marketing, pricing, and just really create like these sort of geo-relevant products um, that can also result in better products for the end customer. 
Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I think it's the limitation on the kind of almost like the outlook of, of the data. Like it's, it's it's all very well having it, but if you don't know, uh, if even if you've just got a limited view of what you could do with it, is 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 really sort of a, uh, sort of a limiting self belief. Um, I was uh, going to ask you about parametric products because um, parametric was you know fairly new to me. I think about three years ago, um, and and as soon as I saw it, I, I've always said on 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 the podcast that really that for me is the dream scenario. I mean, an event happens and I get paid. Listen, there's no kind of um, so a kind of they're they're gaining popularity on a consumer level, and and, and that I think that's the kind of the thing that I would state is I'm really talking about consumer level parametrics. Um, do you think it was like, obviously there was a technological shift needed to kind of make this happen, but do you think it was also a cultural shift needed to kind of change that demand for those types of products? Yes. Yeah, so you you mentioned consumer level, but I don't think it starts at the consumer level because most of the times uh, people don't even know that they're interacting with a parametric product. So mm. what we're really focusing on is, again, communicating the benefits towards the customer. We're not selling them a blockchain-based insurance. We're not selling them a data-driven insurance or, uh, or you know, parametric product. We're actually selling them an automated real-time payout on-demand product. So what they, how they really interact with the product is, is they see the benefits of it from a cultural perspective. So yeah, so this is the consumer level. And then we need to look at the industry level, like how, how is the business or the indus- insurance industry handling this topic? I feel like on the one hand, there has been a cultural shift. So um, so yeah, so when looking at the benefits, as you mentioned, it's, it's really clear that uh, it makes sense to introduce these type of products, but the cultural shift also goes hand in hand with the technological shift. So a few years ago, most people who were not in the industry thought that blockchain would equal Bitcoin and it has been a process um, that it has been divided and that blockchain is now an acknowledged technology uh, to create products. So there has also been a lot of education. I've read um, influencers who are working at huge insurance companies and they've shared articles on how they provided training for their employees on, on blockchain technology. So it's just a general better understanding of the technology. They're not afraid of it. And they have seen uh, benchmark and best examples in other industries. So now they're not as reluctant to to dive into this technology. And I also think that the regulatory environment has created more clarity on the appliance of this technology. So it's just just all together, the cultural shift and the technological shift as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I, I just think as more and more consumers become aware of these products, um, I think more want to use them. What's interested me is like, how, how are you pitching the business? Are, are you viewing yourself as an insurance business or are you a lifestyle business or a travel business? And the reason I ask that is, is that I've had a couple of startups that I've spoken to that um, um, one who one who wouldn't come on the podcast because we're an insurance specific podcast and they were like, we're not an insurance company. But they offer a parametric insurance product, and that is the only revenue source that they have. But they they want to be viewed as 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 a kind of like climate technology business. Um, it's not for me to say whether they are or not. But um, I, I found that really interesting because because that's particularly with parametrics. I've seen a few businesses that are are like essentially that we are a climate business or we're a travel business, and we happen to offer insurance products. Is essentially the viewpoint. So how do you? How, how, how do you view uh, Baobar? Is it, is it an insurance business or is it just it offers insurance products? 
Yeah, so I think it's also an evolution, uh, how we position ourselves. And right now we've had a lot of discussions on this because we are on the verge of tech enabling, creating insurance policies, just creating these type of like lifestyle uh, features in our mobile apps. It's really hard to define what we are at the moment. And then also just looking at embedded insurance space, although for the embedded part, I would say that it's more of like a distribution strategy than actually uh, an insured tech category. Mm-hmm. Um, but who you've talked to was probably a tech enabler. So yeah, so those type of providers are actually afraid of, uh, of categorizing themselves as insurance providers because then they're afraid they will compete in a completely different market. What our business model is right now is we're actually connecting tech enablers. So right now we're not developing our own parametric technology. We're supporting uh, a tech lender and we're commercializing the product together with a global underwriter. And once we have the commercial product, which runs uh, under our branding, we're pushing it to distribution channels, which can also mean embedded channels. So we really are an ecosystem orchestrator, I would say. We're not trying to uh, become one of those categories, but rather just really connect the industry and and the tech providers and, and everyone else, because it's a highly fragmented market. And in the future, what we want to shift our focus to where it is, is just really the location intelligence through um, uh, coverages. So we'll become a, a, an insurance provider uh, at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, insurance ecosystem orchestrator. I'm going to, I'm going to have that down as a category of business. Um, uh, I, I think that makes me an insurance ecosystem orchestrator by uh, matching yeah. the two. I don't know. I love that. I'm going to take that. What a great phrase. Um, thank you. Um, I, I wanted to ask you something about, you know, you know, you're not from the world of insurance. You've made that really clear. Um, and uh, and I, I think it's a massive positive to a certain extent in terms of looking at new businesses. What's, I, what is an, I always like asking people from outside the industry, like what's most surprised you about the insurance industry? Um, good or bad? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. Maybe one of both. I don't know. Is there anything that's really kind of like surprised you? What I've seen is that insurance companies are hungry for innovation. So that's not what I've seen in the fintech space. Um, and we have had like a very fast progress and positive conversations with, uh, with insurance companies. So it's not an us versus them situation. It's, it's really a cooperation where they're acknowledging what we can bring to the table. And we're also acknowledging their global know-how, the regulatory know-how, and just all of the capabilities that they have. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a huge plus in the industry. Then what we've talked about is just really looking at products differently. So starting from this customer pain point perspective and asking the relevant questions and challenging the industry standards. Uh, we don't have this can-do attitude, but we're really trying to, to find ways and the industry has appreciated that, especially from the distribution channel side. And then there are, of course, a few, a few surprising things, um, such as we discussed how non-user centric the whole industry is like from a structural perspective, mm-hmm. uh, how complicated the processes are, how no one really knows what's going on in terms of regulatory compliance. Like some of the big ones have best guesses, but it's still a lot of like manual work on to how to adjust insurances for a certain region. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then of course that it's very hard to find to talent and especially with these type of new digital insurance products, it's also very tough to identify like what kind of talent are we looking for because it's such a new segment that we're creating that it's, it's, it's just hard to find a type of talent. It's, it's basically non-existent on the market and you need to just pick one skill set and then try to onboard them and train them uh, in all of the other aspects. So, so yeah, those would be the, 
the observations that I have as a non-industry. Yeah, yeah. I think that thing about talent is so crucial. Um, I mean, the amount of times I get asked for, we, 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 I always jokingly refer to it as like, you know, which color your unicorn would you like? Because we, we were always always looking at things that not necessarily don't exist, but they might not exist in a region. They might not exist within that budget level. You know, there's always, and there's always compromise when you're hiring almost exclusively. You're very lucky if you get someone that fills everything you you're looking for. And if you do, you probably should pay over the odds for it. So there's, there's always this compromise on things. Um, But it's like people, I always say to people, you've got to pick what, what is non-compromisable. Um, and then everything else is is on feel and touch and you know is that person the right person do we think they're smart um you know i I'd, I'd love to find some experienced people to come and work for my business but i've struggled to find the right fit um so i just find really smart people and you know think well they'll i'll train them and they'll figure it out and that's that's my strategy but um um last question really conscious of your time and thank you so much for 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 your time so far um I always want to know, like, why now? Because, you know, you, you've had previous businesses, um, you know, what, why was the right time for you to launch this specific business? I think that all of the factors that we have discussed influence this, but I feel like that after the huge fintech boom, now the insurance industry is being more open to these type of innovations. Uh, it's also just um, technological advancements and how, for example, blockchain is becoming more mainstream. We have better data sources, more granular data. Then customer expectations are just really rising towards insurance products uh, after the pandemic. Uh, everyone is looking to protect themselves in, in every possible way. So I think that that has uh, helped in general for the industry. Um yeah, and that it, the economic activity is also just really shifting towards ecosystems. So these type of embedded products can actually um, support to facilitate uh, this transformation. Awesome. So you're uh, you're out there pitching hard, I no doubt at the moment. So um, just just to put out a kind of call for any VCs that might be interested in investing. Um, yeah, how should they best get in touch with you? Who's the best person to get in con- contact with? Uh, we can put any kind of details we need. What, what, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, so just in general, my to hello at goboba.com and yeah, we'll be in touch. Okay, cool. Well, and are you act, you act, anyway, see you. Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you active on LinkedIn as well? Is LinkedIn a good place to get you as yes, well? Absolutely. So awesome. my name on LinkedIn is Kata Ludwig. Amazing. Well, look, we'll put some links in there. Um, Kaza, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm super excited about the journey you're on. Um, totally speaks to me in terms of the kind of micro-personalization of kind of insurance. And I think this is, uh, yeah, I-, I wish you all the best of luck on the fundraise. But thank you so much for being a guest on the Leadership Insurance Podcast. Thank you for the great questions. Uh, and <laughs> thank you.